Does God even care? I mean, is he paying attention to what's happening in our world, in our country? Does he care? The words of the psalmist from our intro at this morning seem to suggest that maybe God does not really care too much. We call for God to arise, to awaken, as though he, like Baal, in that showdown between Elijah and the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, is asleep, uninterested, apathetic, could care less. Does God even care? Of course, the answer is yes. God does care. But we are reminded here of the reading that Dawn offered us from St. Paul, where St. Paul is explaining to the Corinthians who are questioning his leadership, who are bragging about their kind of genealogy, that Paul himself says, well, I too am a Hebrew from the nation of Israel, tribe of Benjamin. But more than that, says Paul, I have endured all manner of torture and imprisonment. I've been shipwrecked, I've been hungry, I've been cold, I've been naked. All these things. And you would think maybe Paul's faith might waver a little bit in those circumstances. Paul might be asking, God, where are you? Do you even care? Are you paying attention to what's happening in my life? But Paul says, no. I will boast in these things. These awful, terrible things that have happened to me because of the Word of God planted firmly in my heart. The Word of God that Paul, as an apostle, is entrusted to preach to all people. But we live in an age where people continue to ask this question, does God even care? Is God even paying attention? Or is God just apathetic if he's there at all? For some, this is the solution. Recently, I've had a couple people make the same comment to me. Why doesn't God just do something about all this and start over again? And I said, well, God has done something about that. It was called the flood. And when he did something about it, people said, hold on, God, you're overreacting here a little bit. Like, come on. The tendency, of course, is for us to assume that we have a better handle on what's happening in the world than God does. I mean, God sees all of human history from the perspective of eternity and the perspective of God, of being God, and we don't know what that's like. But that doesn't escape the question that we face in the midst of suffering and difficulty. God, where are you? Are you even paying attention? There's an ancient term that goes back to the Stoics in Greek philosophy but was quickly adopted and transformed by the early Christian fathers and mothers. It's the concept of apatheia. And of course, that's where we get the root word for apathetic. But apathetic, as you know, means just I don't care, it doesn't affect me, so I'm not really interested one way or another. Generation X, the generation to which I belong, is notorious for being apathetic as a generation, not really caring one way or another. And it's true, if you listen to our music, it's very nihilistic. The grunge period of the 90s was very apathetic in some ways. A little bit angry in others, but more angry that others couldn't embrace the apathy and the nihilism of our generation. Anyway, when the fathers and mothers talk about apatheia, they're not talking about being apathetic. Apatheia is rather 
about the ability to hold on to things properly. Sometimes that means holding on to things lightly and gently, to use them properly, to have them in their right perspective in such a way that when that thing is taken away from us, it doesn't devastate us in a way that would be irreparable. The example of St. Paul here comes again. He held his own life so lightly that going through all those traumatic and torturous experiences he did, he saw it all as gain for the gospel of Christ. So as we are in this period of pre-Lent, this warm-up period, it's ten days to Ash Wednesday, ten days before the great feast, or the great fast, I should say, of Lent, in preparation for the great feast of Easter. And this time of preparation of pre-Lent, this warm-up time, we are invited by the church to reflect on how we hold on to things in life, to relearn the ancient virtue of apatheia, of holding things lightly. Think of an egg. An egg is a marvel of God's engineering genius. The egg of a chicken. What happens when you hold it sideways? You're going to have a mess on your hands, right? If you squeeze it, it's going to break pretty quickly. But if you hold it on the top and the bottom ends, the north and south ends, you can squeeze pretty hard, and you're going to have a pretty hard time breaking that. Some people might be successful in doing that, but they might have had a little uh, liquid help with that. But the point is, the egg, that image of holding an egg, I want us to hold on to this time of pre-Lent and Lent about how we hold on to life. If you hold on to an egg from top to bottom, it's not going to break. When you hold on to it from the sides, even a little pressure will break the egg. And this brings us to our parable from Jesus. It's very often the habit for people when we interpret the parables to kind of figure out where we fit. So in this parable, what kind of seed am I? But the, pro the, the reality is we are all those seeds. In all of our life, we are the seed that falls on the ground or on the path that gets trampled on. We are the seed that the birds eat up. We are the seed that withers because it doesn't have dry roots. We are the seed that gets choked out by the thorns. And this is the whole point of this pre-Lent season is for us to think about where in my life am I like those seeds? Where in my life am I holding on to things too tightly? Someone once said, whatever you hold on to, or whatever you can't get enough of, whatever you can't get enough of, that is your God. Whatever you hold on to so tightly that if it was taken away from you and you wouldn't know how to function, that is your God. We live in a culture where bodily health is seen as the be-all and end-all, where sex, where fame, where fortune are all seen as the ultimate goods, where the ability to be pleasure and find pleasure and enjoyment in all things. But what happens when these things are stripped and snatched away from us, when our health fails, when we lose our li livelihoods, when the pleasures of the world no longer hold their charm, what happens then? Are we holding on to these things so tightly 
that we are not able to allow the word of God to dwell in us? Are we listening to the words of humans before we are listening to the word of God? I know in my own life it's very easy for me to get sidetracked. It's very easy to turn on the news or to go onto social media or YouTube and find a myriad of voices who are going to offer different perspectives on things, but at the end of the day we know in human history that human voices will always let us down. Whether those be the voices of the rulers of the age, of experts, of pundits, of personalities, of entertainers, all those words are ultimately empty words. But sometimes we hold on to these words too tightly, as if these words held the words of eternal and everlasting life. But they don't. When all is stripped away from us, what are we left holding? If we are not left holding the word of God, we have nothing. And the reality is, in our lives, everything will be stripped away as we come to the end of our life. And God willing, for all of us, that's a long and full life, but we will come to the end of our life. Our health will fail. Our bodies will age. The lures and the pleasures of this life will go away. And if we are holding on to these things so tightly, we will not be able to receive the word of God, the word of life. Reminds me of when my kids were growing up, you know, sometimes when there's cookie time, they'll have a cookie in each hand. And I'll offer them a third cookie just to see what will happen. They don't know what to do. Cookie one, cookie two. What am I, I want that third cookie. What am I going to do with it? They're holding on to those cookies so tightly, they can't receive the other that's given to them. Sometimes they'll try to jumble it in their mouth, and of course, then they get the tummy ache that follows that. But the point is, that image of what we hold on to, when we're holding on to things so tightly, it's hard for us to receive what God wants to give us. When our ears are primed to listen to the words of the age, the words that are ultimately noise, we cannot hear the word of God. Because the word of God does not come to us in a yell or a shout. And there's been a lot of yelling and shouting going on in our news and our media these days. But the word of God comes to us in the sound of sheer silence. So this time of pre-Lent is helping us to take stock of our lives. How am I holding on to things? What things am I holding on to so tightly that I may break them and have a bit of a mess on my hands? What things do I need to let go of? What voices do I need to tune out and say enough is enough? So that I may hear the word of God and it may take root within me. Well, to this end, the church has always encouraged a Lenten fast. We go by the Anglican rule, all can, some should, none must. But when it comes to a Lenten rule for a Lenten fast, I would be remiss if I didn't suggest that you probably should. And so to this end, on the table on the way out, there's a small booklet called A Lenten Rule, What, Why, and How. And I commend this to your reading. Because in it you will find a way of helping you to assess your own life and what you are holding on to and what you might need to let go of. And so I commend that to your reading and of course I remain available to talk to you about any questions you may have with this.
remember that egg as a metaphor for our life, right? An egg is a symbol of life. We have to hold it lightly lest we break it. And of course, we have Jesus as our exemplar of what it means to hold life as precious as it is, but to hold it in a way that it is not broken. Jesus held his life so lightly that he was willing to give it so that we may have life. Jesus shows us the way of prayer and of fasting and what it means to let go, to be able to give to others and to receive in turn what God wants to give to us. So my friends, during this time of pre-Lent and preparation for our Lenten fast, I invite you to prayerfully reflect on those things that you hold on to so tightly those things that if you don't let them go, they threaten to create a bit of a mess in your life. We all know in our own lives what those things are. The things that easily lure us, the things that pull us away from hearing that voice of God. So may this be a time where the soil of our hearts is turned over and renewed so that seed of everlasting life may be planted in us anew and afresh, and that we may bear the fruit of God. Amen.